Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Texas 24 podcast on the Dave Campbell's Podcast Network. I'm your host, Matthew Bruni, and joining me once again with a nice Dave Campbell's background behind him is Ishmael Johnson. Ish, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. I decided to work from the office this week, uh, slowly starting to get back into, into the groove of things now that the magazine's picking up. Uh, and my mentions are on fire, too, because we released mm. our men's basketball <laughs> Mm, you knew that was coming. All Texas. That was oh, coming. that's been that's been fun. No, I knew that was coming. So, you know, I mean, yeah, we'll we'll get it. We'll get into all that. Later. But I'm, I'm glad <laughs> you're back in the office. I'm glad uh, you're get, knocking out the work with the magazine, getting getting that going. Um, that's always a fun time of the year, uh, stressful time of the year for you. But uh, you know, we got we got to knock this out. So, it's been about a week, a little over a week since the last podcast. And we're like, like you said, we're going to go through the um, uh, Dave Campbell's Texas, uh, all Texas teams, the superlatives and everything like that for the men's team. Uh, we'll go through, we'll touch on the women's as well, because Justin Carter uh, wrote those a couple weeks ago at this point, but we'll run through those as well. Um, but we have to start off with Kim Mulkey. Uh, leaving Baylor and becoming the head coach at LSU. Now, this is obviously somewhat of a surprise uh, coming off the success that she's had at Baylor, but um, I will let you take, take it away first. What was uh, your reaction and how, do you, how did you handle this kind of breaking down? Yeah, I, I, I guess me and um, Justin had been kind of keeping me on tap because I didn't know it was like a thing for like the past, like a rumor for the past couple weeks or so. Um, so Justin was keeping me on kind of tabs with like, Hey, this guy's tweeting out, you know, that, that they offered her, this guy's tweeting out that, you know, she's kind of mulling it over. And, and we kind of talked a little bit about just kind of what, obviously like, you know, she's from Louisiana, right. She obviously, mm-hmm. um, is more of a lot tech person, but Louisiana people are all mostly LSU, yeah. um, tied as far as you know, history and, and fandoms and things like that. I want to say she's even like from like an hour outside of Baton Rouge, um, originally her hometown. So I think it's, it, as far as a home quote unquote homecoming, it's not surprising, but I think the surprising thing is that I was kind of discussing this with Shahan because I, from what I had heard and from, he kind of confirmed the same thing is that there were some, without getting into too much detail, cause I can't confirm it for myself specifically, yeah. but I'll keep it to some disagreements up top. And I think that based on, based on what I'm hearing, I don't think that it was anything one, any one thing in particular, as opposed to a culmination of things. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> eventually what, to me, what it sounds like is she just kind of got tired of, kind of kind of tired of fighting it right yeah and she decided to move on to a place where one it's lsu right like lsu is basically getting a job at texas it's basically getting a job at usc etc um ohio state that type of level but also like you know she's not going to be as powerful as she is at baylor at lsu right you're always going to be one step below football no matter how good you are Mm -hmm. um you're probably going to be a step below baseball and you might even be, depending on how good you are, you're probably going to be a step below men's basketball too. Yeah. But one, the overall prestige is higher. And two, I just think she wanted to be more comfortable. She like, you know, if she wasn't going to be this, you know, 
probably the most important figure in athletics where she is basically a Baylor, mm-hmm. you know, why not go to a place where you're more comfortable? You can, you have decent facilities, you can upgrade from there because LSU has the money and you can potentially build something right. LSU is looking for that type of prestige in women's basketball. Um, so yeah, my reaction <clears throat> when I first heard it officially announced, wasn't surprised because me and Justin, like I said, Justin had been keeping me tabbed on like mm-hmm. just the overall breadcrumb trail of kind of where it was building. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it, I mean, geez, big move. Now the SEC is like probably as far as coaching goes, like Gary Blair, Don Staley, like, you know, now yeah. he had Kim Mulkey in there. I'm, I know I'm forgetting some names off the top of my head, but it's, it's a tough conference now, man. Yeah. The, I mean, you're right about her growing up in Louisiana. I, what is this town? I, I just had it. Tickfall. Tickfall. Yeah. Yeah. I remember I looked that up too. I, I, I just saw it and I just started laughing because I've that's probably a great city but I've never heard of it um but it makes sense for for that reason the the pressure and the kind of butting heads even though I'm not plugged in at that level I still just from an onlooker's perspective you kind of felt it so I I don't I can't really explain it but everything we kind of been hearing about Baylor Mulkey all that stuff was kind of just it didn't feel right I guess at that point and so for this to happen, it surprised me. But then at the end of the day, it was just like, okay, you could sign, like you said, you could see the the, the breadcrumbs, you know, leading up to this. And, and I think one, the one one more thing is, you know, this she's she's not old, right? She's fifty eight, right? Uh, gar, uh, uh, grading her on the Gary Blair track, you know, she could coach for another fifteen years or so. Um, <laughs> Gary Blair track. Wow. <laughs> hey man, Gary Blair is still kicking at seventy five. Still doesn't look like he's slowing down, but. Um, so he, she's only 58. And so like, if she was going to make a move, like this was the time to, it'd be like, like within the next couple of years or so, yeah. right. Where she would make that next move to wherever she went. Yes. And I mean, the, the resume is just always staggering to me. 11 time, big 12 uh, uh, tournament champion, 12 time, big 12 regular season champion, uh, three time and say tournament champion. Uh, do you, because LSU is coming off year where they were nine and 13, but two years mm-hmm. ago they were 20 and 10. So obviously we know that LSU can deliver uh, with yeah. the right people in place. Uh, how quickly do you think she gets this thing off the ground? Mm, that's a good question. Um, I don't, I want to, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they come off with a 20 win, but I mean, again, the SEC is really tough, right? The yeah. SEC is going to be insanely competitive now. So, but also, I mean, she's especially the past couple of years at Baylor. She's been known to really be able to get these transfers in, um, and so I'm wondering how much of that she because I want to say she brings back. I don't want to say I want to say they graduate quite a bit at LSU. I haven't looked at their roster exactly enough, but um, it wouldn't surprise me if she's if she if she gets enough together to string together a 21 season or so. Um, but this is definitely you know, not going to be a contending team right away. Um, give it about a year or two. But I mean, again, recruiting wise, it, it, it also depends on who she takes as well, because we can kind of segue this into what Baylor should do next. Mm-hmm. Um, I think personally Baylor should promote from within, but I think whoever she doesn't, whoever, if they don't, if they do promote from within, whoever doesn't get the job will probably go with her. Right. So you're looking at a Bill Brock who has been by her side um, for multiple years. You're looking at a Satya Messer. I, I think I'm saying that right. Mm-hmm. Um, who's been like one of her ace recruiters. So like, you know, you look at those 
if if they go with her, you know, then there's built then there's potentially building something even more as far as recruiting goes. Um, let's see, I'm taking a quick look right now at LSU. They have a lot of seniors. Their top two scores were seniors, mm-hmm. um, but I mean they can always come back to with the, the COVID eligibility yeah. thing. Um, so I don't know. If from from what it looks like, the top four ish players, three of them are seniors. So you know, if they do leave it is somewhat of a, a rebuilding mode yeah. next and, year. Yeah. And, and like you said, she's established enough to where if she wants the assistants to come with her, they, they can come with her. Like LSU is not going to be like, no, we'd like, we wouldn't prefer that or something like that. Like with right. a young coach. It's like, no, make us as much like Baylor as possible. Yes. <laughs> like, no, please take it. Um, yeah. So that, that's a good point as well. I, we haven't heard anything uh, as far as interviews go at the moment for the Baylor position. Uh, we're definitely going to be keeping an eye on that Justin as well. Um, but I, I'm interested to see how this shakes up Baylor because this is a 21-year, like, mainstay at the coaching position here. And anytime mm-hmm. something like that happens, anytime a change like that happens, I mean, on the men's side, North Carolina with Roy Williams, you know, getting uh, making a change there, it's always going to be drastic. I'm, I'm really interested to see who they bring in. I, I don't know. Is there, like, an ex-player? That they, well, that's, that they that's the thing up. about Mulkey's tr- like she's not a she's not a Gary Blair she's not a, a Lon Kruger who has like these assistants going on mm. to be head coaches yeah. everywhere which is why I thought of the idea of promoting from within because <clears throat> you look at what Roy Williams did at North Carolina right they just promoted Hubie Davis yeah and I feel like if you don't have those those coaching tree seeds planted across the country. Cause like Gary Blair could literally pluck from like any of 10 coaches in this country. Right. If AM moves on or if he retires, AM has so many choices if they want to just hire somebody from the Gary Blair tree. Um, <clears throat> when you look at Oklahoma, granted Oklahoma did something different, but they could have gone and gotten a Lon Kruger type thing yeah. if they wanted somebody to replace him. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't know. It's, there's no like, nailed on successor which is why i kind of brought up the idea of promoting from within because i think you have satia messer who was a head coach before um bill brock has been her assistant for a long time her associate head coach um but shahan made a good point that he's never really been like a front-facing figure in that program um so it's hard to say that he'd be head coaching material um but yeah, I don't know. I think the the to me, you'd want to keep this train going, right? Like you'd want to yeah. try to replicate this as much as possible. I don't think anybody in the program was like, "Well, I wasn't actually a fan of what was going on." With you know, like I I, I don't know because that to me would be why you would go outside to get somebody else, right? And granted, yeah. Baylor's good enough to where they could attract a really good yeah, A plus candidate. So thinking. yeah, so it's possible that they want to go in a different direction, but get a good hire right i'm not saying that she would do this but like an uh adia barnes from uh arizona or something right mm-hmm. um she's an arizona grad so she probably but i just thought of a name that yeah uh, a, a good name that caliber um yeah and so like you you could pluck away somebody like that because they are in that position uh, in terms of prestige but i don't know why you would want to change things up necessarily um so i don't know that's just me that's my opinion we haven't heard anything coming out yet um, there was an article a couple of years ago that brought up a couple of good names. Um, they thought about like just the possibility of like the next person coming in for Gino, for Gary Blair, for Mulkey, kind of this next class of coaches. Um, I want to find that article. I think they might have thrown out Satya Messer's name as like mm-hmm. just a hypothetical um, uh, replacement. But yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. Baylor. I mean, they're they're in a 
they're in a good spot. Like they can promote from within. They can hire somebody away. Like, I don't know. This is one of the premier jobs in women's basketball. They, they definitely are in a good spot. So that's, that's why, that's what makes it really interesting to see how they approach it. Cause it's Texas winning guy, Vic Schaefer. Um, mm-hmm. I not sure where Baylor is going to lean for that. I, I would, I would assume kind of like you is hiring within to keep it going, but there are a lot of names out there that you could in theory go after if you're Baylor. So. And I think that the other thing is like, I don't think Baylor's in position to, cause like we could just say, you know, go get, you know, cause like for, for Texas or whatever, people threw out like the Grant McCaslin thing or like, you know, just mm-hmm. random, like up and coming coach, whatever. I don't think Baylor needs to do that. Right. They don't need to go get, um mark kellogg from sfa right they don't need to get the mm. up-and-coming coach like they can go <laughs> laterally right like they yes. can pull a texas with vic schaefer and just go get you know another established coach yeah well anything else on mulkey before we go to let's touch uh go to the women's awards uh no i will say uh they should let some of those players out of their letters of intent if they committed under Mulkey because oh, sure. she literally had a commitment five days before she left. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, Jordan Lewis, I think, was the transfer, and it's like, yo, what? Like, what is? I saw that. I get it, right? You gotta, you gotta recruit while you're still on the clock and all this stuff. But yeah. come on now, like Jordan Lewis now is binded to Baylor. She should be. I don't know if she's binded. I don't know if she's actually signed her letter of intent, but yeah, it's just hilarious. Should how she just bolts five days later yes yeah that's definitely should definitely should be able to get out of that um but segue into the women's uh basketball awards for dave campbell's basketball from justin carter um i didn't have a big problem with any of these i know there's one debate i guess to have here but uh texas college mvp Nalissa smith from baylor uh defensive player of the year nancy mulkey from rice stopping right there we have Nancy Mulkey or Dee Dee Richards? Yeah, this one was, I, I really, I, I left all discretion to Justin on this full disclosure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I didn't have an issue with that. I think that. I know how high you are on Dee Dee Richards. So that's why I was, I had yeah. to. So I think, I think, I think Dee Dee Richards is the best player in the, in the country, the best defensive player in the country by mm-hmm. far. Um, but I think what happens is you look at relatively, I think their impacts and I think relatively to what they provided mm-hmm. Nancy Mulkey was, I guess, a more valuable defensive player um, because Baylor obviously needed Didi Richards to be really good, but they were going to be a good defensive team. Yeah. I think Rice needed Nancy Mulkey to basically be an elite defensive player every single time she was on the court in order for them to do what they were able to do this year. Um, you know, obviously just missing out on the tournament, but they are going to win the NIT. Um, I think that as far as impact goes, I, I can't disagree with Nancy Mulkey. Uh, like, like I said, I think Dee Dee Richards is the best defensive player in the country, but if you, I can't disagree with uh, if Justin's uh, decision was, I think Nancy Mulkey is a more valuable defense defensive player to Rice than Dee Dee Richards is to Baylor. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're you're kind of splitting hairs at this point with Nancy. I mean, there also right. doesn't help that they play completely different positions, right? So you also can't true, right? so comparing yeah. them straight up is is a challenge in itself. Uh, but Nancy Mulkey, 95 blocks in 27 games. We know what she does on the defensive side of the ball. Um, just um, 
amazing player. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on, sixth woman of the year, uh, DJ Carrington. Uh, didn't have a problem with that. You can stop me if there was a debate of any sort. Nope. Uh, coach of the year, Mark Kellogg from Stephen F. Austin. Freshman of the year, Lila Blair from Houston. Uh, co-sophomores of the year, Quincy Noble from North Texas and Katia Gallegos from uh, UTEP. Uh, I saw both of them play. Um, I like this co-sophomore award because Quincy Nobles for North Texas especially just had a really breakout year for them. Um, junior of the year, Nalissa Smith. Uh, senior of the year, uh, India Jones from A&M. And then we get to the uh, first team, second team, third team. First team, Nalissa Smith, Charlie Collier, uh, India Jones, Lauren Hurd from TCU, uh, Stephanie Vischer from – Stephen F. Austin, second team, Vivian Gray, Texas Tech, Alyssa, uh, uh, sorry, Aaliyah Wilson from AM, Nancy Mulkey Rice, Amber Leggett from Sam Houston State, and Dee Dee Richards from Baylor. And third team, Katia Gallegos from UTEP, Quincy Noble, um, Ayana, jo- Ayana Johnson, correct, forgive me if I said that wrong, uh, Stephen F. Austin, Michaela Wilson from Lamar, and Denasia Hood from Texas State. Yeah. I mean, I got no issues with those. I think I like that you brought up Quincy Noble because when I was doing the um, when I was looking back on the UNT preview from last year, I mean, or from when I was looking back on this year and last year's uh, previews we did for the magazine, I didn't know who their score was going to be. Like I was like, yeah, I was I was like, I don't know. When we had to pick an MVP, I was like. Naya Boyd, I don't know. Like, I, I didn't, I didn't know. Um, and so Quincy Noble coming into her own was pretty damn cool to see. Um, Cause she really, really, like you mentioned, like they needed somebody and she turned up in a big way. Like, and not even just like putting up numbers, like she put up good numbers, right? 43% from the, almost 43% from the floor, 38% from three. Um, so yeah, that was, that was one of the big surprises for me that I was happy to see. Cause yeah putting together the magazine i was like is unt gonna have an offense like no yeah that's that's the concern and i mean it was north texas best year under uh jaylee mitchell so Mm -hmm. uh for her to be able to spark that that really says something because north texas had some good players uh in the past years but they haven't been able to have team that team success success so quincy noble a shout out to her uh all defense team nancy mulkey d richards uh jaden pimentel 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 from the more, thank you. Stephanie Vischer from uh, Stephen F. Austin and Charlie Collier from Texas. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, SFA, man, I was really, I really hope they could have pulled off that win because, you know, Justin had been beating the SFA drum all year. He'd seen the numbers, he had seen yeah. them play, and he was like, this is a, this is a team that should be like, on a lot more, a lot, uh, a lot more people's radars, and they all, you know, they almost pulled off the win. I think it was against Georgia Tech in the yeah, in the tournament, um, and they bring a decent amount back, right? They bring back uh, Stephanie Fisher; she'll be back. She's obviously the big one, um, but they also bring back. Um, I'm forgetting her name. I'm forgetting her name. Um, oh God, she missed the buzzer beater against Georgia Tech. I'm forgetting her name, but they bring back enough to where I think that they're going to, they're not going to be, um, uh, they're not going to go away anytime soon. I think Mark Kellogg has something really special there. And I think that's why it to me, it wasn't a no, it was a no brainer that he won coach of the year because all the numbers had this team as a very good top 20, potentially 15 ish team in the country. Yeah. Um, and I think that's something that, you know, um, uh, 
you know, is, is something worth commending. Uh, Zayad Nugent is the one I was thinking of. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah. Um, yeah, Stephen Faustin, I think, I mean, just based off the numbers and what Justin had been talking about, being underseeded uh, as a 12 mm-hmm. seed really hurt at that point. I mean, we saw in both tournaments times where oh, sorry Avery Brittingham was the player I was thinking of Zion Nugent is also coming back though okay so. um we saw in both tournaments underseeded teams kind of be whether it was screwed over or Loyola Chicago as an eight seed I thought was crazy and they end up being Illinois so you screw Illinois because they have to play them in the second round and same with Georgia Tech as a five seed shouldn't be having to play this Stephen F. Austin team in the first round and right. almost losing Stephen F. Austin should be a you know top a 10 seed or an eight seed or a nine seed somewhere um so yeah that's just kind of how it works out you know the selection committees never really know how to assess mid-major teams um because they don't watch them a lot of times and you know it's it's like okay you have good numbers but you know what 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 competition right but mm-hmm. um yeah Stephen F. Austin tremendous year I don't have a problem with any of these uh awards off the top of my head and yeah great job by Justin I still feel bad I screwed up that podcast like two times ago but <laughs> we're yeah, you could have heard, heard Justin's thoughts <laughs> A couple weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry if you wanted to hear Justin talk about women's basketball, but <laughs> we, we could have said, uh, we could have just said that, oh, yeah, we were, we tried to record a podcast with Justin again and we lost the audience. <laughs> oh, man. Man, what a, what a moment. What a moment. All right. Uh, let's get to the men's side of the awards uh, from Ishmael Johnson, of course, the great. Um, Oh, I man. have my own set of teams. Uh, I I agree with the superlatives. Uh, mm-hmm. Pretty much unanimous. Unanimous. Oh, you you agree with the superlatives until that's, that's, until that's, that's, un- <laughs> until I thought t- you had Terrence Shannon as a junior, and then I listed off like ten names that we should have over Terrence Shannon as a junior, and then I was like, oh wait, Terrence Terrence Shannon is a sophomore. So then I was like, all right, <laughs> never mind. We're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. I I am nothing if not thorough. You know. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's uh, but true. the mvp uh goes to jared butler from baylor uh texas uh the def- co-defense player of the years was davion mitchell and reggie miller i do want to yeah i do want to mention this so rich yes it was davion mitchell reggie miller so i got some things from baylor fans saying why is it co right reggie miller davion mitchell is like yes it, davion mitchell was the best defensive player prospect in the country guard in the country right this is not this isn't debatable to me i think um uh, I want to say one of the ESPN analysts called him like one of the best defensive players they've seen, like as far as a prospect goes. And I saw the uh, the the argument against Reggie Miller saying, "Ah, oh, well, he wasn't even the defensive player of the year in the Southland, so therefore, how could he possibly be?" Look, I'll say this as a guy who used to have those votes for conference players of the year and then defensive player of the year. So, one, do you know who won the Southland defensive player? I do player not. That's what I was going to ask you. Okay. So, it was David Muoka from Lamar. Do you know who, by the way, David Muoka, who made our all-defensive team? Yes. Um, do you know how many blocks David Muoka averaged? I looked it up. It was 75? Well, averaged. Oh, averaged. I'm sorry. Yeah. I was looking. I, was, I don't know average. No. I looked at the overall. Three. That's a lot of blocks a game, that right? That is a lot. Yeah. How many people do you think probably had a vote in that, saw that three, and they were like, oh, that's the best defensive player in this conference? 
Hold without on. probably paying really much attention because you see three blocks and don't get me wrong again he's on our all defensive team yeah. you see three blocks and you're like that's an elite defensive player that's the best defensive player because he you you usually it's hard to quantify unless you're somebody like Davion Mitchell who will stand out and just like absolutely take over a game yes you measure the the defensive side with steals and blocks right if you don't actually if you can't actually watch the game you yeah. quantify it that way i should say Reggie Miller was the best defensive player in the Southland. He was the guy that made that ACU defense go. And he was the guy who had the highest win shares in the conference. The second best defensive player in that conference was Damian Daniels. (laughs) The top three, basically the best defensive players in that conference played for ACU. Let's not confuse that. So what I'm saying is, Again, we can use the the impact question for you know the Mulkey Richards discussion. I think that Davion Mitchell, again, proved why he needed to be the Defensive Player of the Year in the tournament. I think all year Reggie Miller, and you know I'm not saying Mitchell didn't do it all year too, but Reggie Miller in particular, the fact that they had a guard who could basically go 90 feet, undersized by the way, guard the be- other team's best player, and Average, like I can't remember the rebounds he averaged, but he had like seven against Texas. Like he was he, again, he's like a five eight guard yeah. who's crashing the boards. Four and a half boards a game. Yeah, four and a half boards a game. He's a five eight guard. He's guarding somebody ninety feet. He has, I think, the third or fourth best defensive win share in the nation. He has the, I want to say, the third or fourth best defensive rating individually in the nation. Like this is an elite defender, and just because he didn't win the Southland Defensive Player of the Year. Right, doesn't yeah. mean that he's not the best to me, the best defensive player in that conference, and along with Davion Mitchell, the most impactful in the state. Yeah. So that's my defense of that. Mm-hmm. Baylor ended the season ranked, according to Kim Palm, mm-hmm. um, ranked 22nd in adjusted defense, and Abilene Christian ended the season ranked 26th in adjusted defense. They are two yeah. elite defenses, and I would argue that they're both better than those ratings that they sure. received. But th- that's 100%. you know based on math, so you can't really argue that. But the the eye test wise, those are two of probably the best 15 defenses in the country. Um, like you said, Damian Daniels and Reggie Miller, both tremendous players and if you look at the just the the numbers if you didn't watch them you would see Mm -hmm. damian daniels with 57 steals on the season reggie miller 56 steals on the season and then you get into everybody else on that team and it's just like joe pleasant corian mason colton cole great defensive team baylor it's the same thing right you go down the list and you're like oh these are great defensive players around these guys so it's two great defensive teams i think those are the two best players from those defensive teams so i don't have a problem with them and i I think that's right. I think you're right on, on that, uh, on that part of it. I'll give you that. So sixth man of the year, uh, Adam Flagler from Baylor. Um, were you going back and forth between him and Matthew Meyer? Yeah, and I, I basically it basically came down to who played more minutes off the bench. I guess yeah. like uh, Adam Flagler just was the more consistent guy off the bench as far as he was the first guy off the bench and he was basically their sixth man. That's what it came down to. And Matthew Meyer, the only thing, the only other thing was like he, Adam Flagler, since he came into the program at the beginning of the year, he was consistently that microwave that the offense needed. Uh, Matthew Meyer was really, really good. And I think in the tournament, he kind of, uh, in the 
towards the end of the year, he kind of kicked it up to another level. Yeah. But I think Adam Flagler was that that consistent presence of like just being that guy off the bench that would just like kick the offense on and kick the scoring on whenever they needed it to. Yeah. I loved Adam Flagler, so I have no. He's. Oh, I can't wait to watch him. A lot of people love he's... Matthew Meyer, and I. I mean, Matthew Meyer is really good, but yeah, Adam Flagler is crazy. Uh, Coach of the year, Kelvin Sampson. Uh, let Let me run through the rest of these before we uh, get get into that one. Uh, just to say. <laughs> yeah. To finish it <laughs> freshman of the year greg brown i was looking at who else from freshman of the year could it even be uh nobody else it really. was kind of a low year for freshmen yeah mike miles from tcu i really like and tremont mm-hmm. mark from houston i might be forgetting someone there but that was the other one tremont mark was the other one that i considered but yeah those, those i think greg the, brown had a more overall impact i agree uh sophomore of the year terrence shannon um i like terrence shannon but there were really no other sophomores that i could throw in this discussion it was another uh, down year yeah yeah and then juniors is where you just get everybody in the state pretty much like everybody and we didn't uh count jared butler since he was a superlative winner and mitchell uh since they were superlative winners i guess mm-hmm. uh but yeah went quentin grimes from houston i have no problem with that at all and then texas senior of the year is Javion hamlet from north texas yeah um so you wanna you wanna you wanna talk about? Yeah, I, I think we could talk about it. I, I think we could talk about it. Um, okay. I I won't yell at you. I I think <laughs> I, I'm. It's hard for me because I'm not one of those people that I I can't will myself to be, um, a Stephen A. Smith and take a side when it's that close for me. Right. I'm not good at just being like, oh, it's Kelvin Sampson and anybody who says otherwise is an idiot or otherwise. Right. right? Uh, Scott Drew. Maybe if I was a fan of one of these teams, it would be easier to just start yelling. Um, sure. But we look at both of these coaches, right? Two coaches who, for Houston, this was, I don't want to say it was a national championship because it was a it was just a big, big year. Final four, first final four since forever ago. And it's a program that, like Baylor, had to kind of rebuild with a new coach, in a sense. And both of them reached their pinnacle this year mm-hmm. to an extent i don't know if we can expect houston to become baylor for at least for another five six seven years right at, sure. at best best case scenario how long has kelvin sampson been at houston it's been seven eight i mean double check this I'll, right. I'll let you look that up at, <clears throat> um scott's been at scott drew has been at baylor for 18 seven years. he's going on eight okay so that's where i feel like the difference is here Scott Drew has been at Baylor since 2003. Right. In, two, in his seventh and eighth year, they were making elite eights. They were a really good team. That They were also losing early in the tournament. Houston's seventh and eighth year under Kelvin Sampson is in another rebuild, made the Final Four. Mm-hmm. And the entire year, they were a top 20 team. So I feel like we're at the same spectrum with both of these coaches here both having tremendous years. I just feel like we're different. The difference is Scott Drew is farther along in his rebuild because he's in year 18. Right. Whereas Kelvin Sampson's in year seven. And so if you look at, I would have picked Kelvin Sampson as well, because I think if you look at where the expectations were for these two coming in, Baylor far and away was a top two team in the country the entire year. There's no question mm-hmm. about that. And there's no question that Scott Drew built that, but it's been 18 years in the making at that point. And that's not to discredit, but I think if we're giving a lifetime achievement award for Scott Drew, 
then we give that to him. But right. we have to take into account what Scott Drew did last year, first of all. And this is an award for last year. But last year, he was tremendous. And so this was a continuation of that year of sorts. The system was installed. The players were in place. Obviously, he had a little bit of turnover. But with the talent that, these, that this team had, I'm giving it to Kelvin Sampson because that was a much more flawed team in a lot of situations. And they end up making the Final Four. So I'm giving it I, to Kelvin yeah. Sampson. And I will agree with you on this one. And I think there is a winner in this, in this debate. So I think that, yeah, when well, a lot of people will throw out the the final four game, which I just don't think matters. Yeah. Like, if you're talking, if you're if you're trying to decide that on the court, like between the two teams, that's not an indication of the two coaches. Like, that's an indication of the rosters. And again, they built the rosters, so sure, fair enough. But I, <clears throat> you mentioned it. Houston was a top 20, 25 team all year. If you would have told me at the beginning of the year, Houston was going to make a final four. Damn. What? You serious? Right. If you would have told me Baylor was going to make the final four and win the national title, I said, yeah, probably. Right. It's going to be them or Gonzaga. I thought this when I was making the magazine. I thought this when the season was going on. And I thought this for the most part, I thought this throughout the whole tournament. It was going to be them or Gonzaga. Everybody in the country thought it was going to be them or Gonzaga. And so... If this was last year, right, and granted, we didn't do Coach of the Year last year um, for women's or men's, Scott Drew would have won it last year, right? Scott Drew would have won it because of how he transformed a Baylor and turned that team into the defensive powerhouse it was last year. And, yeah, Um, and so he would have won it last year, 100%. And the tournament got canceled, so we didn't get to see that team really come come into its own. Um, But we've known for quite – over a year now, quite literally over a year now, that Baylor was one of the one or two best teams in the country. Talent-wise as well. Talent-wise talent wise as well. They went and added more talent, right? <laughs> well, they added Adam Flagler. Uh, Matthew Mayer uh, turned into a, uh, took it to another level in his game. Um, and so, again, I'm not trying to, 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 to downplay Scott Drew maintaining what they did last year. But it was an expectation of what they were going to do, right? Kelvin Sampson going to the Final Four with a team that couldn't shoot, really struggled to create, right? We, we, we talked about Houston's flaws a lot. They were a bad shooting team. They were a really good defensive team and a really, 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 really elite offensive rebounding team. That is coaching. That is scheming. That is okay, we know our weaknesses, doesn't matter. Keep shooting because we're going to drill these offensive rebounds. We're going to drill this defense. We're going to, you know, and to me, Baylor, <clears throat> Baylor was a, a, a success story of building, right? And that, again, this is all Scott Drew, right? I'm not taking That's anything. That's why I said like the lifetime achievement type thing. Like, right, exactly, yeah. Years, this, is, this is Scott 100%, Drew. 100%, 100%. This is a culmination of what Scott Drew was able to do. And again, that is fantastic. And there's a reason why they were on the cover of our damn magazine. There's a reason why that they won the other superlative awards like MVP and Defensive Player of the Year, things like that. If we're talking about one year lightning in a bottle, it was Kelvin Sampson. Because again, this team was a flawed team. And you could say, oh, they had the easiest path to the Final Four. Oh, they had X, Y, and Z. That's not their fault. 
Like that's not their fault that they that that Illinois choked, right? That loyal Chicago choked, right? That's not their fault. They beat who was in front of them. Then they got to a team that, guess what, was better because they were a flawed team. <laughs> that's not their fault. And so I don't I don't count the on court. Uh, uh, performance against Baylor against Kelvin Sampson. I don't count the, the their path against Kelvin Sampson. I don't. I just don't. And to me, like I just think it was a a more impressive overall coaching job this season in particular by Kelvin Sampson. Yeah. That's not again Scott Drew. It's been a career thing. It's been a two year thing in particular with this core of players. Um. And yeah, so again, like I think it, it's the reaction thing as far as telling me at the beginning of the year what these teams were going to do. If you would have told me Houston makes fun of four, I would have been stunned. I would have been like, that's a lie. It's not happening, right? Yeah. If you would have told me Baylor was going to play for a national title and win a national title, I said, yeah, probably. That's that's just it, right? And, you know, sorry if people disagree with that, you know. No, I, 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 I don't think – one, let's put it – let's let's make one thing clear. It was between those two. Like there was no other two, yes. right? Like TJ Johnson, love him for Texas state, but you know, he didn't make the tournament, didn't win the conference tournament. Love what Grant McCaslin did, but third these two guys to, did. Third more. place has to be Abilene Christian. I think at that point. Joe Pro- yeah, prob- yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's a good point. And then but probably Grant still, McCaslin still not, still not with these two. Um, yeah. I think anybody who watched Houston versus Baylor found it completely evident. The talent disparity and how reliant these teams were on their system slash coaching. And again, mm-hmm. this is not a slight to Scott Drew, but when you see Davion Mitchell isolate and score on everybody that they played, it, it it's kind of it's kind of obvious. I feel like if you watch that game of Houston versus Baylor and Houston doing what they've done all season, that's worked because it's just their system. It's what they do and it's what they do well. But then you go mm-hmm. against Baylor who has – eight dudes who are just better like we talked about it this is the best isolation team we've ever seen it's like, like <laughs> it's like i'm sorry what do you want what do you want to do jared they have jared butler who can shoot from 30 feet you got right. david mitchell who can just take a dude off the dribble you got great defenders you have length i mean the talent is just so far and away better and they, that's a credit to scott drew you know what let's give them the two-year uh, coach of the year award there you go so scott drew gets the 20 2019 through 2021 coach, coach of, the of the year award <laughs> new award right, right there. We'll make <laughs> on the, the podcast there you go 2019 through 2021 coach of the year there you go but 2020 2020 to 2021 coach of the year is kelvin sampson he also won the conference championship not for nothing um i think that is pretty significant uh in itself and yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that it is um I think that it's Kelvin Sampson. And I I am not a someone if I really believed it was Scott Drew, I I would say it. Um and we'll get into the all conference teams here in a second. Uh mm-hmm. but yeah, I think it's Kelvin Sampson. So we ready to ready to go, move on. Let's go. Get out of my mentions. All right, good. There you go. <laughs> Um, but, but shout out to the 2019 through 2021 coach of the year, Scott Drew and the 2020 and 2021 coach of the year, Kelvin Sampson. All right. The first team, all Texas, Jared Butler, Davion Mitchell, Javion Hamlet, Quentin Grimes, and Justin Gorham. We'll go team by team here. I had Hamlet on my second team. I cover North Texas 
for those mm-hmm. of you who don't know, from for 24-7 Sports, I have Javion Hamlet on my second team, and I have Andrew Jones on my first team. This was this was really hard for me. Um, I think at the end of the day, I have to have Andrew Jones on here because of how good Texas was. And again, North Texas was, was really good, obviously, the entire year. Right. But that was more of a... Man, I'm, I'm going to get killed if anyone from North Texas listens to this. That was more of a lightning in the bottle type situation. I'm going to drop this were... on the 247 sports boards, by the way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> but um, North Texas was third in their division in the conference, right? And mm-hmm. the, the conference was really good this year. Conference USA was really good this year. And we knew North Texas had the potential to win it, right? So I'm not saying like they were some like eight seed in the conference tournament going to win it all. No, they were really good. Right. And they we knew they had potential. But the potential was never realized until the tournament. Mm-hmm. And so if you, we, if we broke this season up into two seasons, like the regular season, and then the postseason, Javion Mitchell is first team by a mile, right? Mm-hmm. Cause he was amazing. The entire season he was good, but it wasn't as consistent. And so okay. that's why I was like, I was like, I just felt like he wasn't the tournament Javion. If he was term again, if it was tournament Javion the entire year, Mm-hmm. And I have him first team. Um, and I just kind of had to have someone from Texas on my team, on my first team. Yeah, I think I, I could agree with that. I could. Well, I could oh, and one more thing, one thing, one thing. Go for we it. Had, go we for did it. have four guards, one big. We had yes. that format. So Justin Gorham on the first team, that uh, kind of explains that. Because yeah. if there wasn't a big on – if we if we just went uh, positionless, uh, I don't know if there would have been a big on my first or second team. I was about to say it probably would be until the third team when like we get a Justin Gorham Gorham on there. (laughs) But but go go ahead. Uh, So so yeah, I think I think for me, what made the difference was I think that I I can understand where you're coming from when it comes to you know wanting a Texas because of the year they had wanting a Texas player on the first team. I think that's why I was okay with them kind of being on a uh, Andrew Jones is on the second team for those of you that don't know. because there was a lot more, I think, that went into that Texas team. I think that, to me, Hamlet was the reason why UNT was even pretty good for most of the year. Mm-hmm. And I think that Andrew Jones, he was a big reason. He hit a lot of big shots throughout the season. He was their most composed player, I would say, in so many moments in the season. Um, but... I, I don't I don't want to say it's a toss up between him and Matt Coleman. I think he had the better year than Matt Coleman, but I would say that as far as a consistent presence and what Shaka Smart needed from that team, I would say Coleman didn't have a better year, but I think he was more important to that team. And I think that guys like Kai Jones and that shot blocking of Sims, those those guys were more integral to Texas than the other guys of UNT were to UNT, I would say. And I'd say that Texas was just a better overall roster, Um, which is why, again, which is why I don't want to take anything away from Andrew Jones because he is on the second team, and I did think he had a really incredible bounce back year. Um, But I I think as far as relative to their team, I think if you took both players away, I think Texas still is pretty good. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know if UNT is pretty good. I think Matt Coleman, I, I re- had a really, really good year. Like yeah. I, I, you can't, you can't argue that. Like Matt Coleman is right there with Andrew Jones. Um, 
to me. The, the only difference was for me, I, I weigh conference uh, scoring or I, I weigh conference play a lot more and sure. conference yeah. play. Andrew Jones took off. Like mm-hmm. he did. He I think it was 16 and a half points a game when 37% shooting from three, 38% shooting from three. Um, obviously Coleman had more assists because that kind mm-hmm. of was his role a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I, I don't have a problem with either one. I, J. Van Hamla is J. Van Hamla. I mean, it's great, great player, first team all conference and conference USA player of the year in 2019 20. Uh, so I don't have a problem with that. I'm just explaining why I had, I think I had Jones on there and maybe for people listening who maybe, sure. you know, agreed with me there and would have had Jones on there. It's making that, that case on there. So um, that's the first disagreement. Uh, second team, we have uh, Andrew Jones, uh, Kendrick Davis from SMU, Zach Nuttoff, Sam Houston State, Macy Oteague, Baylor, and Colton Cole from Abilene Christian. I believe this is the same that I have. It is. Um, shout I out. couldn't. Yeah, yeah cause like it, mainly because – the two one, the two guys mainly were Kendrick Davis and Zach Nuttall. I was like, if this was another year, they'd probably be first team players <laughs> because of what Davis, they did. Man. He was insane, and I couldn't put him on because like you need Butler Mitchell picked themselves, Grimes picks himself, Hamlet probably. I mean, I you I guess Hamlet's the guy you probably could have discussed yourself into, but I mean, I think you have to take into account team success, yeah. and you know. Yes, I mean, he wasn't very good this year. Yep. Um, and so there goes the four guard spots. I was like, okay, well, I guess just by default, he has to go to second team. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, yeah, I didn't have a problem with anything else here. We we just um, we had Colton Cole and Mark Vidal, who's on the third team, uh, back and forth there. Um, I would have been kind of fine either way, but I think Colton Cole deserved second team just because of what he kind of meant to that Abilene Christian team. We saw stretches yep. where Baylor was able to survive without Vidal, um, depending on the opponent. Uh, Vital had a great year, obviously, but Colton Cole was kind of the rock for that Abilene Christian team on both sides of the ball. He led them in scoring, and he was their kind of only guy over what six nine, six eight, six, something like that. It was I, I think mean, Joe, Joe Pleasant. Was, was, Joe I was about to say was Joe like Pleasant six, was eight, six, seven. Right, we're feeling good. Uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, he was their interior force, and he was really, really good and on a really, really good team. So mm-hmm. um, I liked Colton Cole there, Maceo T, Jones, Nuttall. Yeah, Nuttall, and if if Davis comes back to SMU, we get to see Davis and Nuttall on the same team. <sighs> Please, God bless. Um, <laughs> third team, uh, we have Mac McClung from Texas Tech, Javon Jackson, UTSA, Michael Weathers, Texas Southern, Matt Coleman, Texas, and Mark Vidal from Baylor. Honestly, look at th- that. Th- the third team, third and second team could be first teams any other year. Like Javon Jackson is a third team player. <laughs> like Michael Weathers, third team player. Matt Coleman, Mac McClung. Like those are, you look at Mac McClung, you look at those are through four probably you know give or take andrew jones matt coleman but you just named four players that are the best players on their team in the state <laughs> like, i'm trying to look i don't know i'm trying to look something up here because i might have yeah. i'm a realization just hit me oh i don't want to spend too much time on it but, okay. but anyway uh, I'll, i will say quick on mark vital mark vital is the ultimate you better watch the damn game player because I don't want to hear that he averages five points, five rebounds, whatever. The bit, what Baylor does on defense is because they have Mark Vital. He can switch. He's active. He can rebound. He can shut down dudes like Drew Timmy. Like, he is the ultimate 
watch the game. Don't box score. Look, don't read box scores when you're watching because Baylor does not do what they do without Mark Vidal. Again, you mentioned depending on the opponent. Yeah, sure. Thamo Chachua and uh, Flo Thamba were able to, to kind of spell things in their, in their stay, but there's a reason why Mark Vidal was the starter on that team. All right. What were you looking at? Okay. I'm looking at, I'm looking at Zach Nuttall against Javon Jackson. Ooh, okay. And I, man, this is hard because I feel like when I was saying, I was like, okay, Zach Nuttall, obviously I love Zach Nuttall. He's really, really good. Mm-hmm. Javon Jackson has been doing this for four years now. And I feel like I kind of took him for granted. I and, think everybody, I think a lot of people in the state took him for granted because UTSA just hasn't been very good. Yeah. But Sam Houston State obviously was a little better as far as I mean they were nineteen and nine, thirteen and three overall. So or in the in the conference, so they were mm-hmm. they were better on on that spectrum. Yeah. Uh, uh, UTSA ended up five, 15 and 11, 9 and seven in conference. So yes, Sam Houston State was better. Was it by as much as I thought it was in my head before looking at it? No. Mm-hmm. Javon Jackson. Average 20 points a game, so a little bit more than than Nuttall. And I feel like as someone who's watched them both play, A, Javon Jackson shot 47% from the field. Nuttall shot 44% from the field. You're kind of splitting hairs there. Uh, Javon Jackson, 37% from three. Nuttall, 38% from three. Mm-hmm. Man, we're splitting hairs. But the way, I talk, the way we talked about Zach Nuttall, and the way I kind of disregarded Javon Jackson hmm. is something that I don't feel comfortable with because Javon Jackson and Zach Nuttall are very similar type players. They are both sc- very instrumental in their scoring, but I would say Javon Jackson, A, is a better passer. Just I mean, he's a point guard and he has better vision and it's a little more I'd agree with that. there. Um, he played four more minutes per game than Nuttall. I'm not saying we shouldn't have Nuttall on the second team. Hmm. I feel like I might... Not having Javon Javon Jackson, the, I'm, all I'm saying is the difference between the space between Javon Jackson and Zach Nuttall yeah. is very, very, very small. And I need to stress that because I need people to understand how good Javon Jackson is. Yeah. So um, I think that what the difference. <clears throat> I I I because when I was filling this out, yeah, I just it, put it, Javon Jackson on the third team and I put Zach Nuttall on the second team, and I think sure. that's just recency bias for me. Because I think if I actually thought about it, I think it's really, really close. And I don't know who I put there. I think to me, I had to dock and whether it's his fault or not, you know, I do, you know, team success does have to factor in. That's why Kendrick Davis isn't on the first team. Um, And again, that's not to say that UTSA is 15 and 11 or whatever they went because of Javon Jackson, right? Um, There were a lot of issues with that team defensively and rebounding wise and just team construction wise um so i yes i i will agree that i'll say this much i think it's it to me it's telling that javon jackson fell back a little bit in the conversation because of what we were used to seeing him it was a down year for javon jackson by points standards yes he was a better shooter he was a more efficient shooter i'll give him that he shot less i think I'll say I'll say this right now. If if yep. if we're talking straight scores, 
yeah. this past year, Javon Jackson or Zach Nettle, I'm taking Javon Jackson. Sure, fair enough. Just in a vacuum, I'm taking Javon fair Jackson. Enough. I think Javon Jackson is a tremendous player. And I think, I, think oh, well, day, I will say this. I will say this. I think I'd take, I mean, I'd take Javon Jackson as far as a score, yes. Defensively, I'd take Nuttall. Yes. I, I don't think, Nuttall's I don't, defensively either. I but do yes, not, yeah, I was about to say, I do not think Jackson can hold his own okay, against a lot of other teams. Two eh, defenders at the, eh, what they They're do. fine, but I will say, I think, I, I would probably take Nuttall. They're not, I mean, they're not great defenders, I so should then clarify. They're not great I, defenders, but I would take Nuttall, I think, I'm gonna, over. I'm going to stick with Nuttall. I'm, I'm, I would put Nuttall on my second team. I'm going to keep Nuttall it's a, on my it's second a good, team. It's a good discussion. Like, that's a, that's a good point that you made that I think that overall, based on what we were used to seeing from Jackson, based on, I guess, our overall kind of lethargy with UTSA's kind of trajectory yes. and kind of how they haven't – they never really hit the ceiling that we thought they should have with guys like Jackson. And I mean, because Wallace didn't even make the team, right? Wallace yeah. And Wallace didn't have a bad year. Wallace had look 17 right. a game, I think. Was- yeah, and it's like Wallace didn't make any of the teams. And it's like – and then at that point is like, okay, well, do you put two guys from a barely above 500 team on here? You know? So it's like, I had to take him off. Yeah. And I, you could probably have a discussion about him. I don't want to say him versus not all, but you could probably have a discussion about him making the team. But at that point it's like, all right, are we going to put a, two guys from a 15 and 11 team on there? Or like, uh, I don't know about that. On the third team, I did have, and this is probably the bigger discrepancy here is I had RJ Nimhart. Yeah, I had RJ Nimhard over. Was it? No, I had Weathers. Who did I have him over? Coleman. Coleman. I had him over Coleman. Coleman. Mm. RJ Nimhard, I think needs on third team. I might. I was McClung, Coleman, and um, Weathers. Weathers. Nimhard were the three for me. I I had Weathers. Okay, I liked Weathers. Gotcha. Those were. I I picked two of those three. Okay, I think. So go ahead. Why? Why? Why no RJ Nimhard? Because he needed. I needed Matt Coleman on my team, man. I was not putting. I had to get two guys from that Texas team on this team, and I get it. Nimhard was. He it was. It's the Kendrick Davis thing, where it's like he did a lot for a team that just wasn't very good. Um, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that in like he had to do a lot for a team that wasn't very good. Um, so just you just repeated yourself. Well, I'm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I really. Well, I, I didn't want to make it seem like that. Like he's just putting up empty numbers on a bad oh, okay, team, okay. right? That's what I was trying to clarify. Um, <laughs> sorry if I didn't clarify that. Um, but I had to get Matt. I couldn't leave Matt Coleman off this team. That is, if you're talking about the heart and soul, it's also part of a probably a partially a career achievement thing too, because like he's been that guy for a shock of smart, good or bad, the past couple years since he's been there. So. I needed Matt Coleman on this team based on what he was he defensively what he did on that for that what Texas team too. What about McClung? McClung was on the Yeah. McClung no, was on my McClung or, or Nimhard. Oh McClung. Why McClung, why McClung or Nimhard? Have you seen that Texas Tech offense? I've, I've seen it. I've <laughs> they needed the somebody. TCU. I've also seen the TCU offense. They needed somebody to just do something, man. <laughs> like, Mac McClung had an impossible task. He's like, hey, look, no one else can score on this team. We need you to score on this there team. There were stretches, though, where Mac McClung did not score, and they and, and other guys were able to step up later in the season, especially. Later in the season. He was, t- he was, he was a rock at the beginning of the season, obviously. I'm not, not to be I, Yeah, look, I, I think that Nem, I think McClung versus Nemhard, 
I, I don't, I don't think you, I, I couldn't, I could be talked more into Matt Coleman over or Nemart Coleman over Nemart McClung, because I think as far as what Texas tech needed for so much of that year was for just somebody to shoot the rock. And they, because we've seen it with Chris Beard teams, we're probably going to see it next year in his first year at Texas. They're not going to be good offensively, or at least aesthetically good offensively yeah. and they needed somebody to come in and hit shots and that's exactly what he came in and you know there was some there was some discussion about his defensive liability when he came in it's like oh is he gonna be able to defend he was a good defender like he wasn't great but he was fine like i don't know like i i had i was shocked and i think that's partially why that's partially a bias um as far as i'm concerned is how much he fit in with that team a lot more than i thought he would all right i like it i, li- I like it i wanted to make you defend it I wanted to make you defend it. All right. But I, for the record, I am an RJ Nimhard fan supporter now. So yeah. take me in TCU. Fans. Hey, like TCU, man, let's, let's get him, uh, let's get him going next year. Let's, let's see what, let's see what Jamie Dixon can do. Get him some help. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, I'm not going to go through all the honorable mentions. The only ones that I will say that you forgot about, actually, no, I wouldn't say forgot about the only two. Okay. Here's one. I think you just, forgot about i have sule boom on my honorable mention from utep i don't even have bryson williams on my on my honorable mention i bryson williams by name just because he's been better in the past i've i was so disappointed in bryson williams this year maybe that's what it is but sule boom was kind of just carrying this team in in a sense at times Uh, 18 points per game which honestly surprised me every time i look at it because when i watched them play it didn't feel like he put up 20 a game but he basically (laughs) um Honestly, that's a very minuscule, small detail. But that and uh, no Jericho Sims on the honorable mention. Yeah, yeah, that was it. Was between. I might go back and add Jericho Sims. I can add Jericho Sims to that. Okay. I think go. I could. Yeah, you know, I'll take you guys behind the curtain right now. I can go back go. and add Jericho Sims. Yeah, I think. We're, we're getting we're we're getting change on this podcast. There we <laughs> I go. was trying to think. Of, I was trying to think of like a way to say like ah, Kai Jones. I was like, no, no, I could. I, if Kai Jones is there, Jericho Sims is there too. And shout out my North Texas people. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna make you add either James Reese or Thomas Bell on North Texas. One all right, you're getting two. a little too much going now. Oh, yeah, one <laughs> of those two is going on there, right? <laughs> um, the defensive team. We'll wrap this podcast up with the defense team: Reggie Miller, Davion Mitchell, uh, Dejan Giroux, uh, David Mo- Moka, and uh, Mark Vidal. Trying to think if there's. Oh, anything. if anybody has any disagreements. I mean, the only other thing that I thought about, but I couldn't take anybody off, was like adding like a, D- a Damian Daniels. But like, who am I going to take off? Davion Mitchell? No. no who am I, I going like, to take off? Dejan like Giroux. I like representing. I like re- representing these amount of teams. Uh, yeah. I might. If, if we were just going for – because the Texas teams in the state – I mean, the teams in Texas were some really good defenses, mm-hmm. like just incredible defenses. Baylor, Houston, Tech, uh, North Texas, Abilene Christian. Um, I mean, there's – if you go down there, you can find some others. But those ones especially. So I guess I need to put on my North Texas cape again to say I think we – it's hard, man. It's hard because you, you kind of have to have two Baylor teams of players on there. Well, because the, so the thing, the thing I could see, I could have seen a argument for because Baylor did take a step back defensively this year, right? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I could have seen seconds. a Sims 
or a um, Zachary Simmons, somebody, a Justin Gorham, somebody in there for yeah. Mark Vidal, right? Um, but I think where I still go Mark Vidal is when Baylor, Baylor was took a step back defensively because they kicked it up to 11,000 on offense. Yeah. Um, and so I think that when they were able to lock in and where they needed to lock in, it was because of Mark Vidal. So I think I could be, I think that's where the discussion lies is like, you know, Mark Vidal over Sim, Simmons, Gorham, all these other guys. Um, also, it's not very like, as far as like elite post players go in the, on defense, it's not a lot. It's a lot of guys, like I mentioned, where it's like you got to watch the game. And if you box score watch, like, you know, you're going to see like, oh, he averaged seven points or, you know, no blocks or whatever. Um, but I think that there are guys that if you paid attention to how they flowed within their team, you know, Joe Pleasant could be on here somewhere, right? You can make an argument for him. Um, yeah, I, I think that to me, though, the hardest one to put was Mark Vidal just because. I was curious about how much Baylor taking a step back on that side of the ball should weigh in. I have to, I have to, man, I have to throw, because even Zachary Simmons for North Texas was really good, but their best, man, their best defensive player was Thomas Bell to me or, or, mm-hmm. or, or James Reese. So Thomas Bell or James Reese, I'm going to, Thomas Bell is more of a big. So if we're going to take Vital out, I think it's either Gorham or Bell. Hmm. And I'm cool with either one of those. But you already have a Houston player on there, so I'm going to stay Thomas Bell. Okay. So congratulations, Thomas Bell. You are on the all-defensive team. <laughs> we are making change. This is now my uh, all-Texas team awards. The Matthew Bruni honorary. And there we go. There we go. Um, but, no, this is uh, really well done, uh, very thorough, and obviously it comes from people who know what they're talking about. So, oh, yeah. And who have spent – hours watching every team in the state so i mean hell there's even keiston willis from uiw on here and as someone who uh we we put this podcast on in the middle of the season Mm -hmm. and as someone who lives in san antonio and who has been to incarnate word a lot of times i refused to watch incarnate word play basketball so that's how you know we're good at our job is uh ish is going to (laughs) <laughs> just cover everybody in the state and i'm <laughs> going to cover the teams except for incarnate Word, except for incarnate Word. and AM corpus christi um, oh, we, hey you want to talk about scores man that's a 19 point per game score on 43 percent could shooting, be great bro. keiston williams i knew a few players that went and played at uiw all right but hey you gotta gotta be a little better for me to to go first of all i'm not gonna get into it i'm not gonna get into it <laughs> I'm not gonna get into it. Let's I was about to say you're just gonna destroy you for no reason. All I'm gonna say is they need some new facilities over there. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> oh okay. God. Anyways, um, let's wrap this up. Um, for Ishmael Johnson, I'm Matthew Bruni. You can follow us um on Twitter at DCT Basketball. Uh, you can just at Ish straight away with any issues that you have at oh, Ishmael yeah. or Johnson. Uh, I'm not gonna say my Twitter on here. <laughs> um. What else do we have? Oh, uh, you can see the the story on TexasBasketball.com and the women's one as well. Uh, follow us on Apple and on Spotify. Um, again, Texas 24 podcast. Um, am I missing anything else? I don't think I am. 
I don't think so. But yeah, uh, again, that's Ishmael R. Johnson on Twitter. Again, just one more time, want to make sure you got that. And yeah, thank you all for joining us and we'll talk to you later.